We just stepped on their face with a hobnailed boot and broke their nose. One, two, three. Bullshit. Welcome to the Todd Ron Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Bethay, coming to you today from the LV426 Studios. Talk to you about the latest college football news, specifically the scuttlebutt surrounding possible expansion to the college football playoff. If you're new to the show, please subscribe on your podcasting platform. You can also follow the show on Facebook or Twitter. And you can email us, titlerunsports at gmail.com. So the big news is that a proposal was floated around this week that's going to be voted on at some point in the near future, and it would expand the current four-team college football playoff to 12 teams. So just to give you a little bit more background on the proposal, it would include it would include the six highest-ranked conference champs, six at-large bids, and they would use the current college football playoff rankings to determine the seedings. In addition to that, with it being a 12-team playoff, the four top-ranked conference champions would get a bye. So this would be a massive change to the current model, which is simply the four highest-ranked teams in the college football playoff, with the criteria being, as we've discussed already on this show, pretty nebulous. The mandate given by the college football playoff committee is that they're taking the four best teams, but they never really explain what best means. Does that mean best resume? Best record, best during the entire season, best at the end of the season, best conference champions. It doesn't really clarify what that means. However, in this case, the criteria are made quite clear. Be a conference champion and be ranked in the top four and you get a bye. Be a conference champion and be ranked in the top 12 and there's a good chance you're going to make it into the playoff. So, believe it or not, I actually don't completely hate this system and I'll go ahead and tell you what I think some of the pros are and then we'll talk about some of the cons first some of the pros are that this system is much more inclusive with them taking the top six ranked conference champs it means that a group of five school is guaranteed a spot pretty much every year because the highest ranked group of five champion which is usually going to be probably from the American conference because that is by far the most powerful conference that team's going to be guaranteed a seat at the table in most years. And so think about teams like Cincinnati this year and UCF in 2017-2018. They'd be in this playoff. So you've got generally a guaranteed seat at the table for a lot of these group of five teams. And it also really emphasizes the importance of conference championships, which has been a real sticking point for people about whether or not those matter. Should conference championships matter? Yes. If not, why do we have them? A conference championship kept Baylor and TCU out of the first playoff very famously. In the Big 12, rewrote their rules to allow for a conference championship game, usually ending up with a rematch of two of their best teams. So there are years where we're told the conference championship has mattered until Ohio State, Alabama, and Notre Dame all make the playoff without winning their conference championships. Then it doesn't matter. So... This does put emphasis on conference championships because you cannot get a bye without winning your conference, which, again, is one of the things that people have harped on. Does it matter or does it not? The CFP is telling you with this model, it does matter. One of the things that I actually have advocated for is that there should not be automatic bids for winning your conference championship. And people tell me I'm crazy, but I'll explain why. In a case like Oregon last year, Oregon was only allowed to play in their conference championship game because another team got COVID and didn't have enough players to field a team. So Oregon, who was, I believe, 
two and two going into their conference championship game, wins the conference championship at three and two, unranked, and would get a seat at the table. That's ridiculous. And, and I don't believe in rewarding a team for a mediocre season with one good game. And I know people talk about, well, you've you got to win it on the field. It's got to be decided on the field. But here's my issue. So what happens when you have a team like Georgia who loses to Alabama in the SEC championship game, finishes the season at 12-1 and with their only loss being to the team that's probably number one or two in the country. They don't get in, but you give an auto bid to a team that goes, I don't know, 7-5 and five, like Pitt did a couple years ago and then upsets Clemson in their conference championship game. And the issue for me is that you're saying, well, the entire regular season did not matter, only this one game. Now, people will come back with, well, look at how it is in college basketball. Like, you win your conference championship, you get the auto bid. difference there is, they play a conference tournament. They have to win three or four games to get in, not just one good game. So you can much, so it's much easier to me to justify a team that gets hot, beats all the best teams in their conference in a span of three or four days, and then gets in. So to me, to me, that's a lot different than rewarding a team for having one good game because the starting quarterback for the other team gets concussion, like Syracuse versus Clemson back in 2017, or where they just have one great game when they play out of their minds, and you're awarding them over teams that have been superior to them for the entire year. I just don't think that's right. One of the other pros is that this also avoids the first-round massacres that you would get if you went with a traditional 1-8 matchup. There are so many years where you're going to get Alabama playing Wisconsin or UCF, and it's just going to be a first-round bloodletting that is not going to be interesting to watch and is not going to make good revenue because people don't want to see it. And we're already having issues with the games being blowouts in the first round of the CFP. Most years, one of the games in the 1-4 one, matchup or 2-3 matchup is always a terrible game. I mean, that's just been that's what's been happening. So by giving those top four teams, and I'm doing four in air quotes here, a bye, you're going to get a lot more competitive games in the initial, I'm calling it wild card round. The last thing that's going to provide fresh matchups and the potential for upsets. So Bill Connolly wrote a really great article on this over ESPN.com. And he went back and essentially used this criteria to recreate all seven years of the college football playoff and gave us which teams made it, the SP plus percentages of winning, and the number of appearances, etc. So listen to the number of teams that would have had appearances in the CFP under this model. At least one. Arizona, Auburn, Boise State, Cincinnati, Coastal Carolina, Colorado, Houston, Indiana, Iowa, Iowa State, Kansas State, Memphis, Miami, Mississippi State, North Carolina, Ole Miss, Stanford, Texas A&M, Utah, and Western Michigan. Can you see those teams ever making it into the four-team model? Yeah, Auburn, maybe. And Iowa, yeah, sure, they could win their conference, maybe in Miami. But for a lot of those teams, there is no chance they would ever get included otherwise. And that's the hope that this creates for a lot of these fans is your team can have that one magical season where everything falls right, they end up with one or two losses, and they can still get in. And it's going to create a lot more intrigue because there's going to be a lot more buy-in for a lot more programs around the country. Now, having said this, this system isn't without its flaws. And this is the thing that I've said about any time you talk about expanding the playoffs is be prepared to have three or four SEC teams every year. And if you don't like that, just just know that's what's going to happen. So – Going back looking at this, the SEC and the Big Ten are going to dominate the field every year. And the loser of the conference championship game in those conferences are going to make it most years. 
So you're talking about Ohio State would have made all seven college football playoffs with this model. And in a lot of cases, the loser of the Big Ten championship game, a school like Wisconsin, is going to make it every year because they're still going to be in the top ten. And the same thing's going to happen in the SEC. Georgia's going to lose the SEC championship to Bama or vice versa or LSU or LSU is going to beat Florida, and both teams are going to make it. So basically the two teams that played for the SEC championship are going to be in every year Plus, in most cases, whichever team finishes second in the SEC West, and in some cases, whichever team finishes second in the SEC East. So, for example, this year, you would have had Alabama, Texas A&M, Georgia, and Florida all making it. That's one-third of your field. Get used to having that every year if you go to this model. And truthfully, one of the other cons that at the end of the day, these same teams are going to dominate the field. Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Bama. Under this model, Alabama, Clemson, and Oklahoma would have made six of the seven CFP playoffs. And the one that Alabama missed was 2019, where they were ranked 13th. And more than likely, if the committee knew that a cutoff for Alabama in the playoff was at 12, Alabama's probably making it. As for Oklahoma and Clemson, they would have made the last six playoffs in a row. And then you can expect teams like Wisconsin, UJ, and Penn State to also make it every year. Under this model, Georgia and Penn State would have had four CFP appearances, and Wisconsin would have three. This is what you're going to get. A lot of the same schools over and over and over again. One of my other complaints, and this is another one of the cons, is that this model just includes too many teams. You're going to have three lost teams playing in this playoff every year, which to me is just not very attractive. And I get that it... I get that to some extent it does incentivize teams that play a harder schedule, but... I, I just don't feel like three lost teams should be competing for the national championship. And that's just me. And I say that, and of course, when Georgia gets included with three losses, me as a Georgia fan, I'll be very happy. But truthfully, if a three-loss Georgia team is being included in the playoffs, they probably have no chance of winning it anyway. One of the other complaints that I have is that there's just too many games. With the 12 regular season games, the conference championship game, and what I'm calling the wild card round, you could have a team playing as many as 17 games in a season which is absolutely absurd, playing what amounts to a full NFL schedule. And again, as of this point, these kids are not being compensated in the same way professional athletes are. And I'm not about to go down that rabbit hole or advocate for that. I'm just saying 17 games for these kids is just absurd. And I do think that one side effect of that is that you'll have a lot of kids that will choose to opt into these bowl games for these playoff teams. Georgia's not going to have kids sitting out of the Cotton Bowl because they're going to be a first-round pick. If they're making the playoffs, these guys, these kids in most cases are going to play because they have a chance at a national championship. I think that actually is one good effect that could happen by including more teams. But back to my, my previous point of too many teams being included, this diminishes the importance of the regular season. I mean, yeah, it's great that you can play harder teams and have better matchups, and these big money games like Georgia and Clemson are more attractive now because you can make money off the game and if you lose it doesn't kill you but it really just diminishes the importance of the regular season having said all this what would it have looked like so let me give you the field from the 2020 playoff if it was played with these current rules in place so your first round would have been a 9-8 matchup between georgia and cincinnati which ended up being a fantastic game if you watched that bowl game which a lot of you are bulldog fans and you did you did it with coastal carolina playing notre dame Indiana playing Texas A&M in the 11-6 matchup, and Iowa State playing Florida in the 10-7 matchup. So then your next round, you'd have Alabama versus the Cincinnati-Georgia winner, 
Oklahoma versus the Notre Dame Coastal Carolina winner, Ohio State versus the Texas A&M Indiana winner, and then Clemson versus the Florida Iowa State winner. And again, this is pretty interesting matchups. Alabama, you could get an Alabama Georgia rematch, which I'm not sure I would have wanted to see as a Georgia fan, but I would have liked Georgia's chances a whole lot better with JT Daniels at quarterback because Georgia was a much different team on offense at that point. Oklahoma versus Notre Dame probably gives you a much more competitive game if they beat Coastal, or you get Coastal as a Cinderella getting their real shot. Iowa, Ohio State versus Texas A&M would have been a good matchup, or Indiana, a rematch with Ohio State would have been a great game, or Clemson versus Florida, which because Florida's probably beating Iowa State. Iowa State was a really good defensive team, but they weren't going to stop Florida, and that would have been a great matchup. So again, these second-round matchups are really, really good games, and that would have been a really fascinating slate to watch. Going back to 2019, you would have gotten LSU versus the winner of a 9-8 Wisconsin-Florida matchup. Oklahoma, who was the four seed, versus the winner of a Memphis-Georgia matchup. Because if you remember, Memphis was 12-1 that season. And Georgia would have definitely been favored in that game. So you could have gotten an Oklahoma-Georgia rematch in the Cotton Bowl, which would have been really fascinating to watch. In the Orange Bowl, you would have had number three Clemson versus the winner of the Oregon-Utah game, which would have been a Pac-12 championship game rematch, which is crazy to think about. One of the cases where it doesn't really fall the way you would hope it did. And then you would have Penn State and Baylor playing Ohio State. So you could have a potential rematch of the Ohio State-Penn State game if they pulled it off. So again, a lot more intriguing matchups. Going back one more year, and then we'll wrap up here, is the 2018 slate of games where you've had Alabama versus the UCF Washington winner, which I would have loved to have seen. That would have been your Peach Bowl matchup with Alabama as the one seed. Rose Bowl, you would have had the four seed Ohio State versus the Notre Dame Penn State winner. The game that Notre Dame probably is going to win as they were 12-0 and really good that year. In the Fiesta Bowl, you would have had Oklahoma versus the winner of Georgia LSU, um, which would have been a rematch of a game from the regular season where LSU beat Georgia pretty soundly in Baton Rouge. And then in the Sugar Bowl, you would have had number two Clemson versus the winner of the Michigan-Florida game. So you would have had some really great matchups. And one of the things that you see here is you get some rivalries actually developed in the playoff. Oklahoma would be playing Georgia three times in seven years, creating, you know, some real intrigue and hostility among the fan bases for those matchups. So, at the end of the day, I'm not in love with the 12-team model. I still think it's too many teams. I think it's too many games. I've always been in favor of the 16-team model where you have the top two ranked conference champions get first-round buys, and you take four at-large bids to fill out the rest of the field. You have four at-large bids to fill out the rest of the field. However, recognizing that's probably not realistic, I think this model is actually better than the pure 18 model. Well, we're going to watch the one and two seeds absolutely bludgeon the seven and eight seeds in most years, and you still have the issue of the group of five conferences complaining about not being included. And so... The 12-team model fixes a lot of the problems that people have had. You don't have auto bids, but conference championships matter. You're going to get better first-round matchups and really intriguing second-round matchups. And one pro that I forgot to mention is the fact that you will get these first and second-round playoff games on campus, which would be unbelievable atmospheres as you'd get to see games that you would never see. Imagine seeing Georgia playing Happy Valley, a game that you might never see otherwise. Imagine Wisconsin traveling to play in Washington. I mean, you get some of these great, great home environments with teams that these schools never see, and that would be really, really fun to watch. But again, the biggest issue is simply the number of games. 17 games is too many, and you're not going to get teams to cut the regular season short because 
no one is going to give up the revenue for those additional home games. Most of these major programs are playing seven or eight home games, and they're not going to give that up. They're not going to give up that revenue. And on the other hand, a lot of these group of five teams, they need those large conferences to have those additional out-of-conference games so that they can get their payday. Um, Georgia Southern needs that big payday when they go play Alabama and get their teeth kicked in. Georgia State needs that big payday from Tennessee when they travel up to Knoxville. These teams need those games, and when you cut the schedule down to 10 or 11 games, you are losing revenue for the big schools losing the home game and the small schools losing those chances to play those big out-of-conference games for the big paydays. So it hurts everyone. And I think eventually that this expansion is inevitable. The 12-team model, because it's going to please a lot of people, is probably going to happen. And I think the reason that it's the most viable option is because you can't create a system where you tell the group of five, which is half the teams in college football, you don't have a seat at the table. So when you create a model that says, hey, win your conference championship, finish with one or zero losses, and you'll have just as good of a shot as the Power Five teams, that's a system that appeals to everybody. Let's make no mistake here. This system definitely favors the big programs. Again, you're going to have the same four Power Five programs in Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Bama making it every year. And you're going to have the SEC with, I think, 26 schools included over the seven years of the playoff. So it's going to be lopsided. But again, I think the fact that all those schools that I mentioned, schools like UCF, Coastal Carolina, Iowa State, would have a chance to get in and make a run, makes this a system that's ultimately fairly appealing and not nearly as bad as I was expecting it to be. I'll be back with some more thoughts on how I'd fix the college football playoff and maybe some other suggestions or tweaks that could be made even to this 12-team system. So be on the lookout for that. And there will also be some more Hawks content on the way later on this week. One more thing, please make sure to check out the article linked in the description where I go over my scenarios, and I wrote that article back in 2019, where I go over the scenarios of how a 16, 12, 6, and 18 playoff would actually look with all of the caveats of automatic qualifiers, non-qualifiers. If you are a college football junkie, that's an article you absolutely love. So please make sure you go check that out on our blog, and its link is in the description. This is Dave Bethay from Title Run Sports. That's it for today. Thank you for listening.